0: I've been preaching a series called Putting On Your Best Face. There's the face that everybody sees, the face of our physical body. And by face, I mean both your, your, your face up here as well as the face of how you look, trim or not as trim. And uh, how you look, how we garnish this body with clothing and hairstyles and, and makeup or whatever else it might be. But putting on your best face, then there's the face of your soul, your character, your personality. And uh, the soul is uh, where we have, you, you know, you see me on the outside and you'll recognize me from a picture, but if someone never met me, they wouldn't know who I was from my picture. You could say that's Pastor Rob Scarallo, but they wouldn't know my character or my heart. You see, the soul is the face that people see when they live with you, when they experience you. It's the face sometimes, some people, like your, your husband or your wife or your children, it's the face that some people will see that nobody else ever sees. But it's the face of our soul. And then there's the face of our spirit. Every one of us wants to put on our best face, be it for work for social life, we want to wear our best face. But your best face will always be living from your spirit. You see, the soul, the face of our soul, out of it comes the knowledge of both good and the knowledge of evil. Good and bad come out of the soul. At times from our soul, we achieve great acts of human, uh, uh, human kindness And at other times, our soul can be that crushing monster that can break a a gentle uh, person or situation. And we want to learn how to live out of the best face. The soul is what was fallen after man fell from God's grace and position of authority. The soul is a place of torment. Last week, I put a scripture up and I read it, from both the King James and the NIV and it was Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 Above all else guard your heart now that word heart lebay in the Hebrew cardia in the Greek is the same word for the word not the same word sorry it gives the same meaning and definition and is used in the same types of scenarios as the word for soul The heart and the soul, while they are different words, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, they always point to the same thing. They point to the mind of your intellect, the mind of your emotions, and your will. It's where your character is. It's where your thought processes are. It's where your belief systems are. It's where your personality is. It's where your memories are. The soul. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world at that time, says, above everything... Before you go to the gym, before you make sure you get that college degree, before you go after that highfalutin uh, career, above everything, guard your heart. Above everything, this is a priority. Why? Because whatever happens in your heart, whatever happens in your soul, whatever damage takes place, whatever experiences in life, whatever gets laid down in your belief systems, whatever judgments you make about scenarios and about life and about circumstances, that out of your heart, everything you do will flow from it. You have a horrific experience traumatic experience or hurtful experience it can color your world for the rest of your life it will affect you it'll. If it has to do with money and generosity or stinginess, it can affect whether you're generous or stingy. It can affect whether you're kind or harsh. It can affect whether you're trusting or not trusting, always suspicious, never letting anyone in. It will affect whether or not you're uh, um, an embracing, loving, welcoming personality or whether you're the personality that sets up 10-foot walls and never lets anybody in. You see, guard your heart above all else, for everything you do will flow out of it. The, there's another translation that says, guard your heart, I believe it's the um, King James, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And what I said last week when I preached on this, what we allow to get into our mind What we allow to be laid down in our memories, the judgments we make about a scenario, the judgments we make about people with red hair, because I had a bad experience with people with red hair, or white people, or black people, or Asian people. The things that we summarize about life, the judgments we make get laid down in our belief system and in our emotions. Now watch. And every thought that is disagreeable with God's mind is the fruit of the knowledge of evil. Listen to last week's sermon and the week before. I don't have time to go over everything. Everything gets substantiated by Scripture. But anything we come to believe that is contrary to God's thought is the same as what God talked about in the Garden of Eden. The knowledge of good is all the knowledge that comes from God, and the knowledge of evil is all knowledge that's contrary to God's knowledge. The knowledge of evil is not just how to rob a bank. The knowledge of evil is not just how to do wicked things. The knowledge of evil is all knowledge that seems interesting, mystical, uh, fascinating, but it's not the knowledge that comes from God. And when we make judgments that are not in, in agreement with God's judgment, God's judgments are sound judgment. We make judgments that are not sound. They're based on emotion they're based on hurt, they're based on experience, they're based on prejudice, and they get layered into the fabric of our thinking, and they get tied and knitted to the emotions we experience in that situation. And what God is saying here is watch your heart, your soul, because what you lay down, what you put down into your memory banks and your emotional banks— if it doesn't line up with the mind and the heart of God, it will become a stronghold, a nesting place, a foothold for demonic activity. And out of the wrong precepts, uh, ideologies, belief systems, prejudice, uh, judgments, out of the things that we have received and Uh, Believed in our heart, demons will cause issues to spring up in life based on the trauma and the hurts and the wrong conclusions we've already laid down in our soul. No wonder Solomon says, guard your heart, for out of it come the issues. The stuff you face in life is based on the stuff that got damaged in you a long time ago. And the sad thing is, and most people don't know this, and it's very rarely ever taught in church, because, uh, well, we don't want to touch anything negative because we just want your time here to be such a happy, happy time. Listen, enthusiasm without knowledge won't last. Enthusiasm based on truth will last forever. <clears throat> the wrong judgments, the unforgiveness, judge not, the Bible says, lest you be judged. How we conclude, how we conclude our broken marriage and our experience with that man or that woman, how we conclude it, how we judge it, how we condemn it to thought in our mind and the emotions we link with it Judge not lest you ju- be judged. The judgments we often make that are in error and are not based on the heart of God become judgments against us that will be acted out in the issues that we are yet to face. Wow. Wow. One more time? Yeah, Three more times. <laughs> That's why it's on podcast. <laughs> You know, sometimes as things come out of my mouth, my head hasn't even processed it, and so to repeat it word for word, I can't. Uh, but absolutely. I guess that's where we say good preaching, Pastor Rob, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so this was last week. Please listen to last week's podcast. They're all available. Podcast is available on 10 different platforms. Next week, we're going to be sharing, as part of my sermon... It's amazing. As part of my sermon, we're going to share an incredible miracle that took place here last Sunday. Some of you saw it. A lot of you had already left. Uh, A a literal Jesus walking on earth type of miracle took place here last Sunday. Um, And we'll be sharing it. And I will be showing you from Scripture principles how the soul has a lot to do with physical illness. And how when we get the soul right, oftentimes we'll be healed. But nonetheless, that's next week. So today, because this is true, because above everything else, we got to watch our heart, what gets laid down in our soul, because that'll dictate the issues we face in the future. Watch this. If that's really important, Isaiah 61, the prophet prophesies about Jesus, and he declares his mission statement. And this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now Isaiah is speaking prophetically about the Christ, Jesus. Christ, meaning the anointed one, the Messiah, Yeshua in the Hebrew. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, Jesus, when he goes to start his ministry, goes off into the wilderness to fast for uh, uh, 40 days, and uh, he's tempted in the wilderness. He comes back having defeated all the appeals that Satan made to his soul and to his physical body. Fasting is about saying no to your soul and your physical body, and yes to your spirit and the Spirit of God. And as we learn to do things, look, the more you say no to that wrong emotion, the more you say no to those wrong soulish things, your soul will learn To subdue, and your spirit will become stronger than your soul. Most people in Christianity never see in the spirit or hear in the spirit and struggle with ever hearing from God. And the reason is our soul is so loud, it's so big, it's so raucous that it drowns out the voice of the Spirit of God, which is always speaking. See, we're in here right now, but right now, Joy FM is broadcasting, but we don't hear it because we're not tuned into that. The Spirit of God is always speaking because He's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth will never be silenced. But so often in the church, we as Christians don't hear the Spirit of truth because we hear from our soul. We hear from the hurts. We hear from the memories. We hear from what Paul did to me yesterday. By the way, did you all hear what Paul did to me yesterday? It was horrendous. You see, that's how gossip starts, not a lick of truth to what I just said. Okay. But we, we, we hear from the things mom and dad put down inside of us. We hear from the, the garbage stuff that my brother did, my, my, my uncle did, and my cousin did, and my friend did. And, and all these emotions, they pull triggers They cause us to step on landmines, they push hot buttons, hello, and cause us to trip over trip wires that then set off explosives. And we're like the pinball inside a pinball machine, banging around left to right, yank, being yanked, our chain is being yanked, we're angry, we're hurt, we're crying, we're depressed, we're happy, we're down again. Because we live from the soul, and the soul screams so loud, it drowns out the spirit. Jesus passed the test, all the appeals to his soul and to his physical body. Eat. Come on, take a stone. Turn it into bread. The spirit of God told him not to eat. He denied his flesh. He denied his soul so that his spirit would continue to grow strong. If you want to grow strong as a Christian, what needs to grow is our spirit, and we need to focus, recognize what the soul is, recognize what your physical body is, and satisfy desires of the spirit, and don't satisfy the crankiness, the jealousy, the pettiness, the gossipness, and all the other things of the soul. Don't satisfy the memories that haunt you from years ago and you see everyone through those memories. No, no, no. Stop. 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 Stop thinking like that. When we continue to think in light of the memories of our hurts, we are dancing with our demons. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Poor me. Poor me. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Poor me. Poor me. Stop dancing with your demons stop agreeing with the devil things are going good but they're bound to go bad because things don't last good things don't last for me stop dancing with your demons oh God will heal everyone else but he won't heal me stop dancing with your demons stop agreeing stop letting rejection speak to you stop letting inferiority speak to you you know Uh, So it's very very important that we understand these principles So that we can really live free in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus just passed this massive test, comes into the local synagogue, and they hand him as was the custom. And if you read this in Luke chapter 4, I've cut the verse short. Uh, to get to the issue, to the point. But if you read it, it says, As was the custom, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. The men would all be given opportunity to read the the Bible, but they didn't have it all in one book. There were multiple parchments or scrolls, and each book uh, was written on a scroll or multiple scrolls, and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and it specifically says that he opened the book It says in the NIV book, but it's a scroll. And he turned down till he got to Isaiah 61, and he reads this specific passage. Why? Because it's literally what Jesus came to do. This is his mission statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, and to Amen. set at liberty those that are bruised. Amen. Now, all those words that I capitalized, if we were to look at them in the, in the Greek, and they correspond, all of them correspond the same with the Hebrew in the Old Testament for Isaiah 61. And the word broken Uh, Sumpribo means to be broken in pieces, crushed, shattered, or bruised. Uh, It also means fractured. The brokenhearted is the bruised soul, the broken or crushed soul, the shattered or bruised soul, the fractured soul. I remember going through an experience in life. I was in my mid-30s. And uh, I was getting, away, getting ready to go away on ministry, and someone that I loved dearly, someone who I respected, said the most off-the-wall crazy stuff. It was a demonic situation, and I turned and I said to this person, who are you? Uh, you know, and, and out of their mouth, five minutes later, they didn't even remember saying it. Out of their mouth, they said, I'm a liar. A demon was talking to me, but and more importantly, what, what I experienced, something, I felt a tearing inside. And I thought, oh my God, I literally experienced a broken heart. I physically, I, I don't know how to explain it to you other than I physically felt the pain of a supernatural soulish tear. For two years after that, every time I, I took a deep breath, And would breathe deeply, like that. Everyone breathed deeply. For two years, every time I took a deep breath, this is what I did. Just like a little child who had been hurt, I'd take a deep breath and I would go. You know how when a child's been crying? And they go to grasp for breath and it comes in staggered moments, it's abbreviated. It was a spiritual reaction to a trauma in my soul. That's right. In the fractures of the heart, the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions are torn apart. They can't come to grasp or reason what's going on. Whether it's words being spoken or sexual abuse or trauma or racial abuse, people you trust, people that should be trustworthy, your father, your mother, uh, a, a minister, uh, people that are around you, and the mind cannot deal with the, the, uh, the oxymoron of the circumstance, the odds, the extremes. In reality, this person is supposed to be my protector. This person is supposed to be my guardian. This person... Loves me and nurtures me and yet this person at the moment is devastating me and crushing me and doing things to me that no person should be doing. So what happens is the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions are torn apart in trauma and they're trying to grapple with what the heck just went on. And we're bleeding, we're crying, we're weeping, and then over a period of short time we start making judgments about The scenario and these judgments, these conclusions, we set them up as protection. Okay? Well, a person with red hair or a person with black hair or a white person or a black person or a woman, I'll never get close to a woman again or I'll never let, I'll never trust a man again because they did such and such to me. And we make these conclusions that are comprehensive of all human beings that fit that stereotype and it is out of agreement with the heart, the mind, and the will of God. Therefore, in our wound, we are eating of the fruit of the knowledge of evil. It doesn't agree with God. And we allow, we think, for our protection, but that big fortress that we're building really becomes a stronghold, a high and lofty thing, a thought barrier that a demon will hide behind, and from that wound, he will control your life, he will bruise you, and he will hurt you. And we dance with our demons when we stay behind that fortress of thought And keep reaffirming it. Well, I'll always get beat up. Oh, people never like me. Well, i always get rejected. And whatever the wound is made of, out of the abundance of the soul, the mouth speaks. If you don't hear what you're saying, trust the people that are around you when they say, do you realize you constantly say this, this, and this. Out of the wound out of the fortress. And if we stay in agreement with those things, we're dancing with our demons. We invite them to the table. We break bread with them. We have communion. We have in common with them. We eat from their hands and feed them our agreement. And we have to learn to break agreement with the strongholds from the past. And so here... In the Hebrew, broken to be fractured, and it's broken hearted, so it's broken in pieces, crushed, shattered, fractured, bruised heart. And it's always cardia in the Greek, it's the always points to the same thing as the soul, the intellect, the emotions, and the will. Captives, there's the phonetic spelling so that you could practice it at home. I'm not even going to try. Ahik malotos, and it means to be a captive in war, a prisoner. Jesus Christ came to set the captives of war free. To the devil, your life is the spoils of war, the trophy, and they look for us So that they can have a place through which they can manifest. The same way God wants to manifest through all of us. And he looks for sons and daughters so he could live in them. And his glory can come out through them. Demons look to inhabit pockets of our emotions and our thought life. They kick us. They kick the door open through emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, through certain, certain and various circumstances. They kick the door in, and they pull up a chair and make a, ho- a home. Good preaching, Pastor And there are areas in our emotions and our thought life where we become captives. Jesus came to notice how brokenhearted is tied together with setting the captives free. And then it goes on and it says, bruised, to set at liberty those that are bruised. And a throw, broken in pieces, again fractured or shadowed. Everybody, look at me for a moment. Now, how many of you have ever had a biological, on your body, black and blue bruise. Can I see your hand? All right. I think that was everybody. Okay? When you get bruised, do you need deliverance or does it need healing? Healing. It needs healing. But what's interesting about this whole passage in Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4, he came to bind up the fractured heart and to set at liberty to deliver those that have been bruised. The emotional scars, the trauma of life, the things that have been pounded in us. Maybe, you've, maybe your greatest trauma has only been words. They're traumatic. Maybe your greatest trauma has been the absence of affection. You see, perceived rejection is as real as received rejection. I had a major issue with rejection. Fear, inferiority, and rejection. Rejection stayed hidden for a long time. Fear and inferiority are expendable. They're the visible ones. They're the ones you can easily recognize. But fear and inferiority are there because rejection was there first. See, perfect love casts out all fear. What's perfect love? The absence of rejection. In the presence of uh, perfect love, there is no rejection. So rejection is the first dry man who comes, opens the wound, and then brings fear and inferiority. Fear and inferiority are dispendable, expendable. It's like you can have a weed. Cut the weed off at the top. It'll come back because the roots are underneath. You see, and so oftentimes uh, demonic bruises and issues in our life, you have to come at them from two or three different angles because a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. It's interesting that this is Jesus' mission statement, and at the same time, Solomon says, above everything, guard your heart because it will affect the issues that will come up in life. The wounds, the scars, the precepts, belief systems, ideologies, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the judgments that you've made gives demons the right to use them and create circumstances for you to fall into the pit again. So, with a, with a physical bruise, If you just let it be, over time, it'll heal. But Jesus said, I've come to set at liberty those that are bruised. In the soul, there's a deliverance that needs to take place. And no, we're not talking about Sybil and the head turns around 360 or anything like that. But we have to understand we are spirit beings. And we have a soul. Your spirit always is like the Holy of Holies. It's separated only unto God. The spirit... Your spirit is separated wholly unto God. But in the realm of our soul, there are little strongholds where there are wounds and wrong ideology and hurts and bitterness and prejudice and racism and all sorts of things, lust, anger, unforgiveness. And so these demons will try to hide in areas of our life. Jesus came to heal us of the wound, the bruise, the broken heart, That point and place and time in our lives where we were devastated and the enemy forced our our emotional hand and our emotional mind to uh, lay down conclusions so that he could have fodder for a nest, a stronghold. Look, you all, most everyone here would know the parable that Jesus gave about the unforgiving servant. There was a man he owed the king, let's say, you know, $1,000. And the king's going to throw him in jail. And he begs the king, please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And the king forgives him of $1,000. And he goes out on the street, finds a dude who uh, only owes him $10. And he grabs him by the neck and he says, I'm going to throw you in jail. And he calls the authorities, has him thrown in jail. And when other people who knew about this man's canceled debt of $1,000, saw him now putting someone in prison for $10, word got back to the king. I'm really, you know, breaking this down into modern English and just getting you the gist of the story. Jesus says that man who was forgiven a large debt, $1,000, will be brought before the king and the king says, hand this man over to his tormentors. Folks, we live in a spirit world, and while I love you coming to this church, and we're all happy, and we clap, and we dance, and we shout, and we have a good time, and the numbers are growing, it is my responsibility and my solemn calling before God to equip you and to teach you and to train you so that you will be fit for life, not fit to be tied. And so things like unforgiveness, how we conclude, people with bald heads, you know? A guy with a bald head beat me up and yelled at me when I was a little kid. So anybody with a bald head, I'm fearful of. We, we, we do. I make it humorous, but we, we summarize these things and they get tied. Thought and emotion come into agreement and they activate our will and our ugly face comes out. Amen. I want to tell you a story. You see, here I was pioneering a church in Australia, and God had brought Luke chapter 4 to my attention. It was a real revelation. He showed me that people need to be set free from emotional wounds, to set at liberty those that are bruised. It's not just a matter of healing, to set at liberty, to deliver, to bring freedom, not just healing. See, up until that point, I had always moved powerfully in physical healing because I had been so sickly as a child, uh, allergic to water as a child. And over my lifetime, I've been cured of five different incurable sicknesses or diseases. But I was born sickly, and once God started dealing with me, and I, I stopped feeling sorry for myself, and he told me, you've got to stop that stop looking for negative attention and I started to reprogram my thought healing started flowing in my body and the power of healing started flowing through me but now God was talking to me about emotional healing and he showed me that people need to get delivered set free and so this verse was a powerful verse you know set at liberty those are the bruised a bruise if I punch mark in the arm it'll go black and blue but over a period of time it'll just heal and it's gone but these bruises, you have to be delivered because an entity will come and live in that wound. Now watch. So after some time of having this revelation and it settling in my heart and I started to preach it and teach it, one night I go to sleep and I have this dream. And I tell you before God in heaven, one of the, well no, actually this was the most vivid accurate, real dream I ever had. I was driving to the garbage dump, and uh, they sent me off on this side, and as I'm driving, I'm looking at all the rubbish, all the garbage that's piled up, and I'm amazed. I'm grinning, I'm almost laughing, I'm bewildered. It's a garbage dump made up of broken dolls they had a dump just for broken discarded dolls dolls that didn't work anymore i thought how weird how crazy is that wow and there was mountains of them as far as i could see and there were barbie dolls and ken dolls and baby dolls and you know how sometimes the doll's eye gets pushed back and it's rolled back you know and it It looks like it needs deliverance. Or, you know, you got a a Barbie doll or something. It's got hair pulled out and you see all the holes in the head. Or it's got an arm missing. Or a baby got hold of the doll's leg and it's all chewed up and the foot is like paper thin now. And I'm seeing all these dolls. I said, wow, this is crazy. Can you imagine that? A garbage dump just where they throw broken dolls. And I'm looking half laughing, half in, in amazement. I've never seen anything like this, never heard of it before. And all of a sudden, I hear one little child crying somewhere in the hundreds of acres and mountains of these broken thrown away dolls and panic gripped my heart i said oh my god god how am i going to find this child how am i going to find this baby in the midst of all these broken dolls how am i going to find it and i inclined my ear to listen because i'm desperate to find this little child and all of a sudden i hear five ten 20, 50, 100, 30. And as I hear more and more children, the volume is getting louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm sitting up in bed in a cold sweat, panting like this here, and absolutely emotionally overtaken. I'm in a cold sweat, sitting upright in bed, and the first thing out of my mouth was, God! What was that? My thoughts are still focused on what I just saw. And out of left field came these words. In a few days, I will teach you about the anointing of the demonic realm. I thought it was blasphemy. The anointing is something that we talk about in church. The anointing, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed the anointing. It's a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. But without a question, I heard these words. I will teach you about the anointing of the demonic realm. Three days later, we had a major storm come through our city. We had a blackout. We had a cat, and it was on the screen door. Its nails were through the screens, and it was screaming. I thought, "This, this cat's possessed. Well, I wasn't much of a pet owner. It turned out the cat was pregnant and was about to deliver. So we didn't know. We bring it inside and immediately curls up in a corner and it gives birth. And the first kitten is an old black kitten. At the same time, my phone rings and there's a person who's been visiting my church, her and her husband. She says, Pastor Rob, you need to come out to our farm property. Doors are opening and closing by themselves. Windows are opening and closing, and I see a half-man, half-goat creature running around in our paddocks. Now, they lived on 10 acres of farm. I had to drive 20 minutes out of town, which was already in pit darkness because of a blackout. And they made it very clear there are several paddock areas, and I have to drive through fence one, open the paddock gate, close it so that the animals don't get out, get back in my car, drive through to the second paddock gate, open it, close it so that the animals don't get out, and go on to the third one. Well, I got news for you. Storm, blackout, crazy cat, black kitten, weird phone call, Okay, weird phone call, and three nights before, I got God telling me I'm going to teach you about the anointing of the demonic realm. I want to tell you something. As I was driving out of a darkened city to an even darker countryside, and the wind is howling, the rain is pouring, I am praying in tongues, and my knees were having fellowship with each other. I get to the first gate. And I'd like to say that I was bold and full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. But I, before I opened my door, I looked around. I put the brights on. I go up to the gate, and I'm looking over my right shoulder, looking over my left shoulder, looking behind me. I open the gate, and I run back into the car, drive through, and now i got to get out and close the gate. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do is have a one on one encounter with a half man, half goat creature, you know. Get up to the house, and I sat the husband and wife down, there, and their children were sleeping, and we started to converse. And I said, You know, there's got to be open doors to the spirit realm. You're born again, Christians, for demonic stuff like this to happen. Tell me about your lives. Well, their marriage was on the edge of a divorce, a lot of crazy stuff going on. And we're talking, and it's like, you know, midnight, and all of a sudden, the wife rises up and starts screaming, I want him dead! I want him dead! And she runs out of the house. I'm thinking, sweet Jesus, now's a good time, Holy Ghost, I need you. (laughs) With the husband's permission, I asked if I could go out and talk to the wife and bring her in. I brought her in. Uh, we had been sitting in the living room. There was another room off to the side. With his permission, door open. I went in that room, door open in eyesight, and I said, what's, what, what's going on? She started to tell me an all too common story of how from the age of eight, Grandpa used to take her out to the back garage, fill in the blanks, did things with a little girl that nobody should do with a little girl or a little boy. By the time she was uh, 10 or 12, her brothers, who were a little bit older than her, without any knowledge of what Grandpa was doing, one by one, they all started doing similar things to her. And then she goes on to tell me the story of how every man she's ever encountered has only ever wanted her for lust. You see, in the bruise, in the trauma, in the heat of the moment, somehow you have to recover, though you never really recover and you start coming to summations and conclusions, and they start to become your defense, even if the defense is just all men are wicked and evil. So then you start avoiding men. I won't tell you in black and white, but it surely led this woman to the other side of affections. As we're talking the Spirit of God started to speak through my mouth, and I started to hear me say things I've never heard in my life, things I've never processed or thought about in my life. I've never read it, never heard it preached, never thought it, and here I am, and I say to this woman, uh, we'll call her Alice, okay? That's not her name. We'll call her Alice. 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 From the moment you were a little girl, the first time you were sexually molested and offended, that wound and that trauma opened you up like a gaping, huge wound. The spirit of lust in your grandpa made you a victim. The Bible says Jesus came to set at liberty those that are bruised. But here's the thing, because these are soulish bruises bruises in our soul, what happens is that spirit of lust in grandpa must satisfy its desires so it uses its host to activate actions of lust so that it continually perpetrates the sin of his very nature, the demon's nature. If you read in Revelations chapter 19, where it talks about the fall of Babylon, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Her sins are piled up to the heavens, and she has become a haunt for every bird of prey and every jackal and wolf. Sins pile up. As you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that sin... Pollutes the earth. It desecrates sin. We we talk about pollution and we want to clean up the environment, but sin is a pollution. America is saturated with a pollution of sin. Okay, and we need a spiritual cleansing. These aren't just metaphors. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit world. Hello? You see the tip of the iceberg, but what you see, there's a lot more in the unseen realm, exactly like what you do see, but it's way bigger. Okay, so as it is in the natural, so is it in the spirit. And uh, so I said to her, ever since then, your grandfather and the spirit of lust in him used you again and again to activate the lust... It's like that's what that demon needs to stay in power. He must continually commit acts of uh, of, of, uh, sexual sin, lustful activity. It feeds him. It feeds him. But when you got wounded the very first time in the midst of your trauma, a spirit enters your wound even though you're so innocent. It wasn't your fault. It's amazing how the enemy always makes the victim feel like they're the dirty person and they're terrible, okay? And, and, and I said, and that spirit now wants to keep the bruise alive. And if you never get traumatized again in that area, the wrong thought patterns and judgments won't be reestablished and confirmed. And the bruise over time will slowly start to heal, And so the spirit that lives in the bruise now calls to other people who have a spirit of lust. And together, that spirit of lust responds to the call of the spirit that lives inside your bruise, and the two of them come together in mutual agreement to perform the will of Satan to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, the anointing is when Jesus came. He heard the will of the Father. He heard the Logos as they had a Lego at the table in heaven, and as he heard the will of the Father, he came, and Jesus said, I only do and say the things I've heard my Father say, and I do the things that my Father does. He came to be the expression and the declaration of the will of the Father, that's why he's called the Word of God, and when Jesus is in agreement with the will of the Father, the Spirit of God cannot be at opposite extremes. When we're in agreement with the will of the Father and we're preaching the will of God, the Spirit of God will always say yes and amen. And so the anointing is that Jesus came to do the will of the Father and he preached the heart of God and the Spirit of God, of course, was all over him releasing power and dunamis and miraculous ability because they were in agreement with the will of God. It's called the anointing. And the anointing of the demonic realm is when two demons and two different hosts come together and draw hosts together to perpetrate the very thing that each demon needs to have happen to satisfy their stronghold. Thus fulfilling the will of Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything in, thank you, everything that God has. See, Satan is not a creator, he's a, a, a destroyer. He mimics and perverts, he twists. And so there is an anointing in the demonic realm. Of course there is. And it is a distortion and a perversion of the anointing that flows through us and in us by the Holy Ghost when we're in agreement with the Word and the will of God. The anointing of the demonic realm. In a nanosecond, in a split second, in an atom of time, God downloads all this information into me, things I've never heard, seen, or read, and I'm telling this woman as if I had been practicing this for the last 20 years. As I'm talking to her, I could see as if it were a shadowy... You know how when you look through a veil, a curtain... You know, you see, and yet you don't see, and I could see like a shadowy form sitting on her left shoulder. I said, that spirit has come, And, and so because I sort of saw something there, I said, that spirit has come and sat on your shoulder, and it sits there, and it drew your brothers to you. They had an issue with lust, and the spirit of lust in them was satisfied, and the spirit of the wound was satisfied in you because it hit the bruise again, it's wounded again, you start to summarize, you start to think, you start to lay down belief systems. The belief systems are interwoven and interlaced with the emotions and the feelings, etc., etc. And what it's setting up is landmines, trigger points, hot buttons in your life, so that your crazy face will come out indiscriminately as you're living and going through adulthood. Yeah. And I said to her, I'm going to pray for you because God's going to set you free. And I didn't tell her that I could vaguely see something here, but I, I spoke about it. And for the sake of her imagination, her mind's eye, said, You know, I can see that thing just sitting there, so to speak. And it calls to anyone who has a spirit of lust in their lives so that together they fulfill each other's goal, so that they fulfill Satan's goal, they work together under a demonic anointing. I started to pray for her, and I deliberately waved my hand when I said, in Jesus' name, I went over the shoulder, and I I was visibly pushing, punching, knocking this thing off of its perch, okay? As soon as we finished praying, she goes, wow. I said, what? what's up, Alice? And she says, 10 minutes ago, I was going to stop you because as you were talking about the anointing of the demonic realm, I was getting this serious pain in my neck, and I've always had it all since I was a little girl. She said, and uh, uh, it always leads to a migraine." And this thing, I could feel it just tensing up. My neck was tensing up, and the migraine was coming forward in my head. And I was going to ask you if I could take some aspirin and lay down for 20, 30 minutes, and then we could resume after the medication had effect. She said, but the minute you waved your arm over my shoulder, instantly the tension left and the migraine left. Which will take me to my sermon next week. I'm going to preach to you about healing, but first the healing of the soul. And that will affect and activate healing in our physical bodies as well. Are you with me? So I'm going to share with you personal experiences that happened in me and experiences that have happened in other people. And what I said to this woman was, that's why a woman who is the accidental victim of rape often becomes a repeat victim of rape. It's why a little girl grows up in a home where daddy's really, really abusive, uh, not just sexually, let's say verbally or violent or whatever, is angry. And she ends up teaming up with a boy. I mean, the one thing you would avoid is anything that looks like daddy. And then she ends up uh, hooking up with a boy who's got an uncontrollable temper. She's in a live-in relationship, and he beats her up, beats the snot out of her, black, blackens her eye, uh, breaks her nose. She calls the police. The police come. She presses charges. The next morning, she calls up the police and, and revokes the charges. And if and when a person in that scenario ever gets out of that scenario, how many of you know what happens next? they end up with another person who has the same type of manifestations. Why? It's called the anointing of the demonic realm. If you don't heal the wound and take out that spirit that entered when you became the victim, he will sit in there nestled in all the, what appears to be logical judgments and conclusions that you came to. He is safe. In his stronghold, and he will call, and like Proverbs says, he will set up issues forward in your life of similar scenarios so that you're wounded and bruised again and again, so that his stronghold in you remains intact. And so many of us have been repeat victims of certain types of scenarios, and we wonder, why does this always happen to me? And if in earnest you've ever had the emotion or the sentiment that says, why does this always happen to me? There's a wound, and there's a strong man living in that wound. And he's hiding behind unforgiveness. He's hiding behind judgments, conclusions, attitudes. And we have to pull down every thought that is not in agreement with God's thoughts. Take away the armor in which he trusts. Jesus said in the Gospels, they were calling him Beelzebub. He says, well, if I'm Beelzebub, who do your teachers cast demons out by? Knowing full well, That they didn't cast out demons. The people in the countryside, people all over were amazed that Jesus had authority over demons. Why? They were amazed because... The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they didn't do this. Who is this man? He has such authority. So when they're saying to Jesus, you cast out demons because you you are empowered by Beelzebub himself, Jesus says, number one, a house divided against itself will fall. But if I do it through Beelzebub, uh, tell me who are you doing it through since you don't do it? I love Jesus' wit. Very sharp. Very, very sharp. And he goes on to say when a strong man has his house nice and secure he's safe until a stronger man the stronger man is always Jesus a strong man is often a demonic entity until a stronger man comes and takes away the armor in which the strong man is trusting I I use the phrase stop dancing with your demons Stop being in agreement about your rejection. Stop being in agreement about you're going to die young. Stop being in agreement about nobody ever likes you. Stop being in agreement about people will always be unfaithful to you. Stop being in agreement that you're a victim. Stop being in agreement with sympathy. Stop being in agreement with the fact that the church says, oh, well, we're sinners bound by a sinful nature. Come out of agreement with doctrines of demons. Stop dancing with your demons. Stop nursing your wound. Stop justifying it. Stop making wrong judgments and holding unforgiveness. Stop making wrong conclusions. Your prejudiced and your preset ideas based on the things your mama told you and your daddy told you, what they taught you and what they laid down on you, is stuff based on their own heritage, their own culture, and their own life experiences. Guard your heart. Screen that stuff out. Because out of what gets laid down in your thought life and your emotional life, it will have the authority to structure circumstances somewhere in the future so that that wound is revisited. Last week, I very quickly told you about how and if you weren't here, please listen to the podcast, but uh, how an el- uh, a senior boss who was drunk of my friend's father, my friend's father was a landscaper in the city, and they had a big Christmas party for the whole city workers, and on the way home, this drunk man came up and out of nowhere slapped me in the face, and... Uh, No one stood up, no one spoke, no one said a thing. I went home crying to mommy and daddy, and I'm sure they were upset and behind closed doors were probably livid, but I never saw any action, any uh, action of justice uh, or redemption. Uh, In fact, I don't even remember, and I could be wrong, I don't even remember much being said about the incident. And I nestled down in my thoughts and in my emotions, uh, a fear came that people around me, and particularly people in authority, will lash out. Uh, Men will lash out, and I'll become a victim. And uh, so much so that for even up to, probably up to about 15 years ago, if I was talking to another male, and there was a little bit of conflict, and someone happened to lift their arm to uh, adjust their hair or something like that, I'd flinch. Evidence of a wound. I don't flinch anymore. But what happened then... I went on, and I told you how then, as a 16-year-old, I was, you know, Sunday school teacher, youth leader, uh, worship leader, and I would preach on Friday nights when the pastor couldn't get off from work, and there was my uncle, the assistant pastor. He'd call me up, the 16-year-old, to come and preach at the big church uh, and preach and take the Friday night service and lead an altar call and all. And then one day, here's the pastor, uh, someone told him some information that wasn't correct, and he laid me out, and, uh, uh, and I got bruised. Now, God did a tremendous thing, and I had an encounter with God after many months, but I was bitter, I was hurt, I was wounded. My father was the head, he was the father of the Italian Pentecostal movement in Australia, and they had numerous churches. And my father and mother were about to go to Queensland, Brisbane, Queensland, to pioneer another Italian work. And another gentleman from the movement in America was coming to take over the church my father pioneered in Adelaide, South Australia. And God was calling me into the Australian churches. And what happened was the the men on the board of directors of my father's church were very angry that God was calling me out of the church. My, my, my parents had given me their blessing. I struggled with the Italian language. No matter how hard I tried, I could not speak it. I made some of the most ridiculous mistakes. Uh, and they were very upset I had to stay in the church. And they actually put an order on me that for six months, I had to sit in the church and I couldn't be involved in any area of ministry. And I looked at my dad when my dad came home and shared this with me, and I could see in his eyes the hurt. I said, why, Dad? Why does stuff like this always happen to me? And he just wept, and he said, I don't know. I don't know. And then there was one of their preachers in a country town about uh, six hours away was having a hernia operation, and there was no one to preach for him, so they sent me up there. I could preach because none of them wanted to go. And so I had to stay up there for three weeks, out of sight, out of mind. But you know what? I went and I went and I preached as if I was having a revival. You see, you will either feed your demons or you will starve them. And I'm determined we have to starve them. Amen. 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 So my parents were about to go to Queensland to start this new church, and this guy, they came over from America to take over the big church, 300 people in Adelaide. Uh, He comes to hear me preach. The pastor in the Australian church was mentoring me. I did Bible school under him, and he asked me to preach on a Sunday night. And so this guy who was replacing my dad comes to hear me preach, and some of the members of the church came to hear me preach. My parents had already left. And I find out afterwards, after the service, a couple of days later, that he actually turned to the man who was mentoring me, Pastor Peter Vacker. He turned to him and said, there was no anointing on him whatsoever. He purely preached out of the charisma of his own soul. You know what I was able to say? Because this was the truth. This was a couple of days later, they, he sat me down and then he told me what this gentleman had to say. And I was already released with my father and mother's blessing. You know what I was able to say? Not bad for somebody not being anointed. 18 people got saved that night. But I went through experience after experience after experience until God gave me this revelation. And then I started to address the wound, the thought patterns, you see the enemy will make people in your life appear to be an enemy you know what I've learned about fear you see through the eyes of the spirit of fear you hear through the ears of the spirit of fear you know what I learned about rejection when rejection is on you your wife could say something to you and she doesn't mean anything by it but if you're full of rejection you will hear through the ears of rejection You will interpret her action through the eyes and the emotion of rejection. And that's why we have more enemies than we really do. Because the strong man hiding in wounds in us is coloring our world and he's making us hear and see and experience life through his nature. If it's the nature of jealousy, if it's the nature of anger, if it's the nature of lust, When lust is on you, you will see through the eyes of lust. You will feel the emotion of lust. Same with anger. Same with bitterness. Same with racism. Folks, it's one thing to be born again. And we got our names written in the book of life. But I don't want to be a trolley car for a host of demonic activity. I am saved. I am going to heaven. But I'm getting rid of the wrong passengers. I'm not dancing with my demons anymore. Come on. Amen. Amen. And so, people who have been traumatized in certain areas of life, you'll often go through repeat circumstances, even with different people. I remember sharing this with a pastor when it was still fresh new revelation to me. It was a pastor from Sydney uh, of a very, very large church. He was one of the associate pastors. And he sat in my living room and his mouth just dropped open. He says, wow, now I know why my wife goes from one domineering friend to another, to another. She's a, a, a timid, a... Introvert, a tender person. She lived with a dominating uh, mother. And every friend she ever gets is always dominating and oppressive. But it never manifests itself until she starts to open up to them. Mm -hmm. This is the anointing of the demonic realm. And the whole purpose is to hit the bruise again and again and again. I'm not hurting you, am I? So that we layer the thoughts and the wrong conclusions and the emotions, and it's line upon line, precept upon precept, the same way God builds, Satan builds in the negative. Wow, that's good preaching. You know, we don't have Sunday morning church. We have seminars. Amen. <laughs> I want you to understand the spirit world. I want you to have victory. I don't want to just preach the most exciting, fabulous messages that hit the top ten on, you know, sales. I don't sell my stuff. But anyway... I want to give you keys that will affect change for the rest of your life. Principles. Principles. Not the top 10 sermons over the last five years. No, principles. And so I take time. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this in five minutes. There's a lot of people's Hurt and emotion and experiences and devastation that goes into highlighting these points. But this is what I know guard your heart, for out of it will come the issues you face in life. And Jesus Christ came to bind the fractured heart, pull out the strong man, set the captives free, pour anointing oil in the wound, pull down the thought patterns that were associated with that wound so that now we'll see through new eyes and hear through new ears. I need you, if you as you come out for prayer today. My team will start to come if I can have some music, worship, whatever, and the team starts to come, listen to me, hear me. We're, I believe a lot of people will come out the front. I believe a lot of people need to come out the front. Quite honestly, I believe everybody needs to come out the front. L- listen, I, there are still things God is setting me free recently, recently, next week I'll talk about how a healing came because he revealed something that happened to me in a trauma only six months ago. I've been plagued with this thing for 30 years. Every two weeks, every three weeks, it would manifest on my body, and suddenly one day out of the blue, God gave me a a memory, vivid, just out of the blue. I'm thinking this way, all of a sudden, a thought comes out of nowhere, hits me in the head, you know, and I see this picture, and the Spirit of God says, every time you say such and such, that's why this and this happens, because of that situation. Immediately I repented, immediately. From that day, I swear before heaven, I've never had what I've been to the doctors for, and for 30 years was every two to three weeks was a, a nuisance. Six months. Haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm going to share stuff with you like that for next week, okay? But what I need from you, as you respond to the altar call, if you have issues with fear, any kind of fear, don't be afraid to come. I wouldn't be surprised if you're feeling afraid. When fear left me that day, I I was in my father's church, and I was shaking like a leaf. Don't be afraid to come. That spirit is feeling vulnerable. If you're feeling anxious right now, peace. Peace be still. In Jesus' name, I bind the strong man. If you're feeling anxious, come. Forget about what Joe thinks over here. Joe needs to be out the front too, just like Pastor. Now I'm making fun, I'm playing, I'm being humorous, why? Let's take the heaviness off. Most of us are like the rest of us. I breathe in through both nostrils. How many here breathe in through both nostrils? Most of us are like the rest of us. All of us have got broken, wounded souls. And all of us can use a touch of freedom and deliverance. But only you can identify the thoughts that have been layered around that wound. It's colored your world. There are certain things you've become convinced about. You need to break with that. You need to break with that. I I realize we're going into very sensitive areas. Men and women may be sexually traumatized as a child. I am so sorry. I deal with so much of that. It is, it is so common. 70-year-old men still weeping in my arms because daddy told him he hated him and wished he was never born. People living in extreme distortions of life. Because of one incident. We're here. It's us. And the Son of God came. To bind up the broken hearted. And to set the captives free. When we deal with the garbage in our soul. It won't scream so loud. It won't yell so loud. And we'll start to actually hear from the Spirit. After I got delivered of rejection, and I was in a vision, like a trance, the vision was out there, I'm watching a movie. And after I got delivered of rejection, I didn't notice any change. I saw the vision, I felt the emotions. Six months later, I went to one of our national conferences, to three thousand Pastors and wives and workers. I was one of the up-and-coming young men, one of the want-to-hear speakers. I was often used in state conferences. I was noted as one of the top five speaker uh, teachers in the movement, and sent to mission training uh, schools in the Solomon Islands. And yet, I used to hear all the time, all my life. It was normal. Uh, they don't like you, they're clapping they they don't really mean it, they think you're stupid nobody really likes you, they're laughing but they're laughing at you I heard this all my life and six months later I go to this conference and for the first time in my life I didn't hear it and then I realized oh, that wasn't normal I thought it was normal I realized it wasn't normal God wants to set you free and so I'm going to ask you to stand As easily as you're broken-hearted, that's how common and as normal and as easily we need to be healed and set free. I want to encourage you. Fear, anxiety, unforgiveness. What are your hot buttons? It's a reaction. It's wired to a wound and a bruise. What are the landmines you keep stepping on? What are the tripwires you fall over? What are the triggers? Be set free today. The Apostle John says, For this reason was the Son of God made manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. All of those gadgets that the enemy has put into your soul, Jesus came to destroy them. And set the captives free If you've never asked Jesus in your heart You need to do that today As we close our eyes in prayer Start to come If you want prayer Start coming out the front Everyone, whoever needs prayer Start to come out the front right now Don't be ashamed, don't be shy i tell you right now I'm speaking to everyone really And I'm going to do, if there's enough people here, we'll just do a one large corporate prayer, and then I'll have my leaders move in and amongst the crowds. Thank you. Be brave. Come on. You're so worried about what the person next to you is going to think. They're thinking, what's he going to think? Everybody's thinking the same thing. Amen. God wants to set you free, wants to heal you, wants to make you whole. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to close the service. When I do, those of you that are going to stay for fellowship, I would encourage some, stay in worship and pray. Others, if you want a fellowship, go out to the foyer. Uh, Try not to make too much noise. Uh, We love fellowship, but we love ministry as well. And if you want to hang around because you want to come out the front in a couple of minutes, come on down. Come on down. I've been set free of a lot of things. I'm not ashamed to say it. It's good to be free. Whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Before I close, how many of you got revelation today about things even in your own life? Could I see your hand? Come on, be honest with me. Yeah. Amen. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We see people's ugly face and we want to rebuke them. We want to bind them. We want to chastise them. We want to tell them off. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the puppeteer behind the puppet. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present. And I thank you that you set the captives free. Amen. I thank you there's victory in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that that woman that was about to be stoned, she didn't get stoned. She got delivered. Amen. The religious world was going to lay so much more on her, but you took so much off of her. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you that you're going to set captives free today. You're going to deliver people today. You're going to heal people of scars and wounds that go way back into their childhood. I curse and I rebuke and I break that recycling thing that circles again and again and causes people to visit the same spot again. And again, it is not the judgment of the Lord. It is the spirit of mischief. It is the spirit of violence and confrontation. And I rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, even now as people hear my voice, let them feel your presence and start to bring to remembrance the things that need to be remembered and cover over the things that need to be gone. By the blood and the power of Jesus' name, I speak to every strong man that is is holding a person captive. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I will not be intimidated. I will not back off. I will not be quiet. I will not stop. I will obey my Father and obey my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as He has done, we do in the Spirit, and today we dismantle, we break down, we destroy the works, the wounds, the horrendous hurts of the enemy, and we take the bruises of Satan. You have bruised the heel of humanity, but Jesus Christ has bruised your head. And today you are under our feet in the name of Jesus, and I speak victory and healing and deliverance to the captives emotionally, mentally, in their soul and in their physical bodies. Father, I declare a freedom in the name of Jesus for the captives to go free and to be made whole in Jesus' name.